People come to me and say, Brother Bill, what about the days of Noah? I've heard Jesus mention in the scripture, they read through the Bible every year with us, and they'll come and say, what about the days of Noah? Are these the days of Noah, as in the days of Noah? Well, we're going to talk about that for the next 30 minutes. And the question I pose to you, will you be able, and how will you be able to stand in the days of Noah? And let's start with Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, 39. These are all Jesus' words. Heaven and earth shall pass away. The next three words. But my words. Not phrases, not general meanings, but words shall not pass away. Who can say that? Who can say that? You're talking about a verse for the deity of Christ. Only God could say that. You and I could never say my words aren't going to pass away. Uh, in fact, we, we could say almost safely most people will not know who we are in 100 years. And they won't be listening to our words for sure. But Jesus, here he is, born in a, such an obscure place, such an obscure family, such an obscure, no specific education of any kind. He bypassed all of the institutions of his day, you know, raises a carpenter's son. There's not, it's not possible that you could say this statement unless you were God Almighty. My words shall not pass away, but, that, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. That's his second coming, that is. Not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, or Noah, were so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He said, nobody's going to be able to tell you the day or the hour. God the Father's not going to let that information go. But he will let you know the days, the season, the season of the return of Jesus Christ. You will be able to know that. Because it's going to be like the season before the worldwide flood came in the days of Noah and destroyed the whole world. It's going to be like that. For as, the next verse, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah or Noah, entered into the ark. In other words, it, the world as a whole, they didn't know what was coming. It was pretty much, they were doing business as usual. And it says, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. How will you do if you are here, and if indeed these are the days of Noah, how will we do in these days? Have you thought about it? Uh, Jesus said that the same kind of atmosphere that was in those days will precede his coming. He also said there would be very, very little real faith. He said in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That's a pretty wild statement. Peter talks about the days of Noah and Noah. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, he says, When sometimes we're disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, there it is, the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, 
wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The writer of Hebrews, whoever he was, some believe Paul, some Apollos, we don't know who did it. We know the Holy Spirit did it. Chapter 11, verse 7 mentions this person called Noah. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Uh, we all, you can, everybody in this world that takes a breath can take their lineage back to Noah uh, and his three sons. But to, actually to Noah, because they were his three sons. So uh, you say, well, Adam, you go back to Adam. Well, Adam went to Noah, and then Noah, it got real skinny with him. And so we can all go back to that. The three, and by the way, I took sociology in college. It's an interesting course on the movement of group, people groups. And, and even they, in a secular, uh, a secular sociology course, agreed there were only three basic races of people in the world, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that, it's not coincidental, by the way. Even they agreed there's only three genetically uh, defined races in the world. And that corresponds, of course, to the three sons of Noah well. So the, but the writer of Hebrew mentions, and I wanted to, Mention it, but Noah and the account of the worldwide flood um, is one of the most disputed, most widely disputed teachings of the Bible. It's, it's attacked, it's mocked, it's laughed at. How can you believe something that's recorded in a, in a 3,500-year-old book and believe it? How can you do that? Well, we have had Grady McMurtry here. Grady McMurtry is a scientist. And there's many other people like him, Ken Hoven, and so many others, Ham, that have, have done the research on this. And the truth is the evidence, if you just look at it without bias, the evidence all points to a worldwide cataclysmic flood. When you look at the Grand Canyon, it's explained by that better than any other explanation I've ever heard. Uh, when you start looking at the saltiness of the ocean and so many other things, how it's getting saltier every year, and you take that back and the time frame, it just all works out. It's unbelievable. I hope he's, by the way, he's going to be here, I believe in, uh, about tw I think 2020, if we make it to that. He's going to be here. I got him booked again. How many, uh, I won't ask you, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't, don't have any indication, but how many believe with all your heart, that there was a person called Noah that lived, had children, was told by God to build an ark, build an ark. A worldwide flood came, flooded the highest mountain, killed all, everything outside of the ark, mammal-wise. The fish lived, some of the fish lived, of course. And eventually settled down and he repopulated earth. Yeah, ask yourself the question, do you believe that? That's a disputed doctrine. But yet it's a major doctrine of Scripture. Maybe the most disputed doctrine is the creation. I don't, I don't know of anything in the Bible disputed as much as God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, evolution, Darwin, a nobody who did, who did horrible science. He did horrible science who said that the cell was the simplest form of organi organ uh, organism. And of course, we know now that the cell is one of the most complicated organisms. 
There's 240 plus amino acids in one cell, and they have to be in a specific order for that to happen. Come on. Come on. You talk about science. Science does not do anything but scream that there has to be an intelligent creator that made all this stuff. This did not happen by chance. It did not happen over a long period of time. It did not happen little by little. God made the heavens and the earth. He created them. And he did it, and an intelligence behind it uh, screams that there had to be a creator. You have to really work hard to deny and somehow put in this thing called evolution in your head. But it's fault. The creation of the world's fault. The, the uh, worldwide flood is fault. That's the story uh, and the account of the Tower of Babel, where our languages come from, is, is attacked. The crossing of the Red Sea. They try to say that, that, that the liberals try to say that the Red Sea was only six inches deep when they crossed it, and it was just uh, simply easy. Well, I always say, well, how did, they, how did this six inches of water drown all them Egyptians? The ten miracles of Egypt, they want to deny. They want to deny the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. They want to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they want to deny the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, in essence, unbelief is unbelief. And it saturates them. But I believe what the Bible teaches to be true. Because it's not given me any reason upon examination over these 45 years plus not giving me any reason to doubt, but it's given me reason to believe. The more I look, the more I examine, the more I read, the more I believe that the things stated in Scripture are exactly what they say they are. You can trust in them. Well, the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Bible students agree, most Bible students almost anywhere agree, that before the tribulation period, there will be a worldwide falling away or apostasy. If you want to know where that's at, that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. And you need probably to know where that's at. It says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And in context, it's talking about Jesus coming. That the man of sin, that's the Antichrist, might be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, there's no temple right now. It's a pretty big tip when the temple of Jerusalem is built. You're real close. Remember you now that when I was with you, I told you these things, Paul says. Apostasy is the word for falling away. Apostasy. Some may explain this, this massive. So the question is, we, we've been told before the days of Noah, before the end times, when Jesus, when the preparation of the coming of Christ and the, and the beginning of the rapture of the church, I believe, tribulation period, second coming of Christ, establishing of the millennium, when those events before those events take place, the Bible says there must be, there has to be a falling away. Now, it's talking about you've got to have something to fall away from it, amen? You don't fall away from something you don't have. He's not talking about the world. It's not so much talking about the world. I mean, it could be talking about the world, about falling away from general morality and stuff like that. And I do believe that's in there. But I think it's also talking about Christianity, a falling away, a, an apostasy, or an apostasia 
of this. Some want to say because of the rapture of the church, which happens before the tribulation period begins, that it would trigger one of the, one of the most immediate and worldwide apostasies possible. That makes sense. If every believer that's born again is raptured at the same moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, and so the, the church is raptured out. If, if, if before my voice hits the back of the building there, every Christian in this room is raptured out, and every Christian in the entire world is raptured out, that creates a massive void. A void of what? The Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? He's in me, right? No, you're not. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit in whom God dwelleth. So what, what now you, you realize that your, your mission as an indwelt uh, believer in Christ uh, is, to, is to propagate God and what he believes. And the Holy Spirit helps us do that. And so what is God? He's against evil. That's why he said you're the salt of the world. You're the salt of the world, not because you choose so much to be the salt of the world. You're the salt of the world because the Holy Spirit of God is in me. When I walk in a room, I don't say anything. And the people with a contrary spirit feel it. They feel it. And they and they become very uncomfortable. I'm talking about a people with a, the people of an evil spirit. There's only two spirits in the world, darkness and light, good and evil. And when you have the Holy Spirit, which is light, and you come into a room full of people that have the spirit of darkness, they immediately feel it. And bring your Bible in there and they go crazy. There's a spirit. They feel the difference. Now, that's going to be gone. At the rapture of the church, every Christian instantly gone. Now, God forbid, but if the rapture happened this morning and there were some people left in their seats and all you saw throughout this auditorium were little stacks of clothes and you were here, that should give you a heads up. And you know what you might do? I wouldn't be surprised if you asked Jesus to save you. Now, you're not going to get raptured, but you can be saved. And you trust Christ as your personal Savior. There's Bibles everywhere, by the way. You can have them. Take them home. And, and, you, and you, you, that'll happen all over. And people will get saved immediately after the rapture. People begin to get saved. By, and the Bible says the people saved in the, in the tribulation period are, are as the sand of the sea will outnumber. From every tribe, every kindred, every nation, they get saved all over the world. Why? Because the rapture is going to be a big thing. It's going to create a, a, a panic, as it were, throughout the world. Where do these people go? What happened? Guess what's going to happen? Antichrist is going to come up and say, I got an explanation for it. This man that comes up is going to be not just your average orator, best orator anybody ever heard. He's not going to be your average man with power. He's going to have power with people as nobody before him has ever had. He's going to be persuasive as nobody's ever been persuasive. His cohort, called the false prophet in the Bible, is not going to be called the false prophet then. His uh, supporting uh, person, his vice, vice president, if you want to call him, going to come up and going to show miracles that no man's ever done in front of the camera, provable, absolutely going to call lightning down from heaven in the sight of all men. That's going to go all over the world. And this old boy is going to have the answer. Now, before all that happens, Jesus said there's some signs 
As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The Holy Spirit in those days, if you take your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8, it says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. The word let means to withhold. So let's read it. Only he who withholds will continue to withhold until he be taken out of the way, until he's not going to withhold anymore. So at the rapture of the church, the withholding ministry of the Holy Spirit stops. The salt of the earth ministry stops. Not saving people doesn't stop. We know people get saved in tribulation period. But the holding of the evil back stops. And then the evil will be allowed to blossom like it's never before blossom. People will get saved, but the people that are saved during the tribulation period, according to what we read in the book of Revelation and other places, will have to sacrifice. They will be persecuted. You'd imagine the Antichrist is in power now. The Holy Spirit's not withholding evil as he has since Jesus. Evil will be able to manifest itself like it's never been able to manifest itself because we're here. We as the salt are here. We're holding them back. We go, and even the people say won't have the ministry anymore of holding, and it's going to go wild. I mean wild. And people that, are, that claim Christ as their Savior will be persecuted to death. And most, I believe, the people saved in the tribulation period will very likely will have to pay for their salvation with their head by giving themselves how do I know that? Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 11 says this. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them which were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood upon them that dwell on the earth? You mean to tell me people in heaven want vengeance? Yes. And the white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. I believe many will die for their faith in the tribulation period. I get that from verse 9 of chapter 7 of Revelation where it says, And after this and beheld the Lord a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palms in their hands. And in verse 14, it says, These are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so we see from the Scripture, and I'm just really highlighting some of this for you, that there will be many people that are saved in the tribulation period, but will have to give their lives for the cause of Christ. But before the tribulation period, the days of Noah, as it were, will be somewhat radical. He says, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find faith on the earth? Luke chapter 18, verse 8. You know, in the days of Noah, we go back and do a little research. I, Henry Morris did a great job in a book called Genesis. It's in our library. You can find it on the internet any, any place book called Genesis by Henry Morris. He did his math. He was a scientist, by the way. He believed that if a family, average family, uh, had the amount of time from Genesis to the flood, an average family, I think, had three children, 
that in the day of Noah, before the flood, there could have been 25 billion, I said billion people on this planet. There were no oceans like there are now. More land, better, more favorable environment before the flood of growth. And so, have you ever sat back and thought about that? 25 billion. Okay, let's say it's 5 billion off. 20 billion. There's only 7 billion right now. I don't know who counts them. You know, give a billion or so. Let's say there's 20 billion. 20 billion people. How many were saved by the, by the ark? Eight. I still, I can't get my mind around that. See, we're used to people believing. We, we, the grace of God has been, has been abundant. We're used to telling people about Jesus and them believing and trusting Christ and getting saved. But he said, there's coming a day before my coming, before my coming, there's going to be a season. Not the day or the hour, but the season is going to be like the days of Noah. Well, you have to understand that was a day of unbelief. I mean, eight people out of, eight, out of 20 billion, 25 billion Seven billion? Take whatever number you want to take, folks. That day will be preceded by an astounding amount of unbelief. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Uh, it also says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, that God was going to give man 120 years before he destroyed the world. So you put two and two together. Uh, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and he said they've got 120 years. So people say that Noah preached as he was building the ark. They say every time he hit the nail, uh, it was a message, a testimony against those, those people who did not believe. But he preached. He was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. And how many got saved? There's no preacher in the United States of America they would preach 120 years and have eight converts that would be happy. One of them converts would be in him and his wife. You say, eight converts? You mean I preach 120 years and only get eight people saved? Noah did. Why, if he went to a church growth seminar, they'd condemn him, throw him out. They'd say, you were the biggest failure that ever rose up in preachers. I mean, eight people, come on, brother. You couldn't you do better than that? The answer is, we don't save people. We just preach righteousness. In other words, our job is to preach righteousness. But Jesus said, before my coming, you don't know the day or hour, but you know the season. There's going to be a season come. A chill is going to come upon the world. A chill of faith. A lack of faith. It's going to be where people begin to doubt like they've never doubted until going way back before the flood. That's going to reproduce itself in the season up to the coming. Um, in other words, the response to the gospel will be less and less. The crowds in fundamental churches uh, will become smaller and smaller. The widespread skepticism and disbelief of the Bible will become more and more. The confusion of what exactly is the Word of God will become more and more. I'm telling you, I believe the proliferation of translations is a sign of the days of Noah. 
Everybody say? I don't believe, yeah. What is the proliferation of, of, of translations done for you? Go into a bookstore as a new believer and say, I want a Bible. When I was a kid, you'd go in there and they'd give you a King James Bible and say, this is the Word of God. My preacher again said, this is the Word of God. You can rely on it. You can trust it. You go to an average church today, and represented in the congregation is no less than 25, 30 versions. The guy gets up and tries, let's all quote the 23rd Psalm, folks. I bet we could stand up here this morning and pretty well quote the 23rd Psalm. Because we have unity on our version. It's the Word of God. It's the, it's the, it's the Psalm my mother quoted. It's the Psalm her grandmother quoted, her great-great-grandmother quoted. Going back 400 years, the Word of God. It's created confusion. During this time, during this season, there's going to be more, more confusion around whether the Word of God's true or whether it's accurate. There even may come up some so-called proofs that the Word of God's not accurate. By the way, don't believe them. Years ago when I was a kid, that was a few years ago, there was a, the, the, the world came up with a proof that the Bible wasn't true. Oh, we got you now. The Bible says there's a group of people called the Hittites. And you know what? We've not seen one archaeological proof that there was Hittites. So the Bible must be wrong. It wasn't that just shortly after that, they discovered that the Hittites were one of the most massive kingdoms of their day. And they had to go home. Now, by the way, they're quiet about corrections, similar to fake news. They'll say it's a lie and blast it everywhere, but they don't take the same amount of effort to say, hey, by the way, that wasn't true. And that's the way they did about that. So we're going to see a falling away in apostasy. Don't be surprised by that. Don't use it as an excuse not to witness. Don't use it as an excuse not to pass tracts out. Don't use it as an excuse not to go door to door or do bus ministry. But brother, don't go around sucking your thumb if, 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 things, get, if things begin to fall away. Do the right thing all the way to the end. Do what Noah did. He just kept building the ark. Just kept pounding the nails. The second thing, as in the days of Noah, the characteristic of the days of Noah, is a widespread prosperity of evil in every direction. Oh, I don't take much imagination to do this point. The internet. In the history of the world that you know, has there ever been an internet? In the history of my life, which is short, when I was a kid, backslid in my teenage years, wanting to do every kind of evil, I hunted and tried to find pornography. For two years, I tried to find pornography and did not find it. I wonder how long the average kid today would have to hunt on their iPhone, Android, computer to find pornography. And by the way, not just any pornography, all pornography of the worst, most base. You say there's degrees of evil? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible says so. When, and in Genesis 6, 5, it said, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. This is in the days of Noah, that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart were only evil continually. So we see that there will be a time of 
falling away of lack of belief and lack of faith. There will be a time where the prosperity of evil just explodes through the internet possibly or through computers or through the accessing. I preach a sermon, how can we survive accessibility? And I, I still ask the question, how can we survive accessibility? There'll be a deep infection of the mind. Uh, the Bible calls it a defiling of the conscience. You know, I believe that you can go so far and defile your conscience that you'll not respond when you hear the truth. You roll it over in your mind. You imagine it. The Bible says their imagination of the heart was only evil continually. That meant they rolled that evil over and rolled that evil over and played that evil over. So it'll be a falling away generally from the faith in Christ. There'll be a prosperity of evil. I haven't mentioned any specific evil, but evil in every direction. Have you not seen it in the last 10 years? Thirdly, there will be an increase in violence. In violence. Let's read it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The earth was what? Filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth. Behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 24, before the, the season before his coming, there'd be wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation rising up, worldwide conflicts, a lack of true faith, persecution, just like in Noah's day. I'll not bore you this morning with statistics about violence. I don't think I have to, but I will tell you this. I looked up some, some statistics. There's 206 countries in the world. There's only 11 countries in the world that are at peace right now. Think about what I'm saying. There's 11 countries in the world that are at peace. There's 195 countries having internal conflicts of some kind. Some of them at all out war. And by the way, according to the website, it's been getting radically more intense since 2007. For some reason, they don't know why. But since 2007, there has been a spirit of unrest, a spirit of violence spread throughout our world. They're like, they're even scratching their head. Why? And it's been going downhill. Do you notice it in America? Have you been watching TV? Have you been looking at the college campuses? If you don't believe it, get on a, make, put on a big t-shirt that says, make America great again, and go to the average university and walk, just walk around. See how you do. Violence. People don't, can't, can't have a difference of opinion. Why, if you differ in opinion, you're stupid. We need to exterminate you. Get rid of you. You're a curse on our world. That's what the days of Noah. So what do we have? We've got a falling. At where the, he says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There's going to be a general falling away from Christianity. There's going to be a prosperity of evil of every kind. This transgender thing, this homosexual thing, this has blossomed in the last, what, 10, 20 years? It's blossomed. Why, not long ago, you'd have never seen that on TV. Now you see it on TV. Not long ago, you would have never even heard of bathrooms, the idiocy of making a bathroom for men and women. 
First of all, you women do not want to go in our bathrooms and do not want to sit on those seats. Come on. This isn't just normal stuff. Huh. And then, thirdly, violence will fill the earth. Violence everywhere. Violence in general. Man, it's coming more and more. The school shootings is new historically. Historically, it's new to us. That kind of, that kind of, that kind of cruel. Going into a place with little five-year-old children? What kind of, what kind of violent spirit do you have to shoot five-year-olds over and over and over again? Where are these, where are these people coming from? There's a, there's a, there's, and it's not just the United States, is it? It's South America. It's Europe. It's around the world. I believe we're in the days of Noah. I really do. I don't know how far in them. I'm not predicting when the rapture is coming because I can't because he said I'll never know that. But I can tell you, I believe from what I can see that it's very similar to the things that he says is in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, Brother Bill, why did you preach this? I'll tell you why. Number three, three reasons. Number one, you get to shine in this time. If you're born and alive and listening to me, which evidently you're born if you're listening to me, you have been born for such a time as this. Don't feel bad about it. Say, glory to God, I've been born for such a time as this. Secondly, you, have, as a born-again believer, are called an overcomer. You're going to overcome all the resistance. I believe it takes more to overcome something that's available than something that's not available. You people here that are exposed to the Internet that have rejected it, the evil of it, the 42% of it is evil. You've rejected the evil part of it. You've said, I'm, I'm against that, and you stay away from it. It takes, it takes more a grace from God and more power of the Holy Spirit to do that than when you don't have even the option of looking at it. You're a chosen people, a chosen generation to stand up away from this proliferation of evil. And then the violence, the violence. We may have to give our lives for the cause of Christ. Uh, it says in the, we're talking to the churches, Paul says, uh, be faithful unto death. Or John says, excuse me, be faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life. I want to be faithful to death. Brother, I believe if you're called to die for Jesus, that he'll give you the Holy Spirit's power at the moment you need it. He'll give you the grace you need when you need it. And you'll be able to stand up and testify of Jesus Christ to the very end. And you know what? Jesus said there's a special place for those people who are martyred for me. You know where that's at? Around the throne. The people that have given their lives, I'm talking about giving their lives for the cause of Christ, get a special closeness to the Lord Jesus Christ during eternity. All I can say is, Christian, be encouraged. You can go around and you can be defeated when you see the falling away and when you, when you see the, the proliferation of evil and when you see the, the, the increase of violence, you can be, and, and I understand that distresses you like it did, like it did Lot. It, sure, it torments us, but also by the grace of God, it is, a, it is a harbinger of the coming of Christ. 
that this thing's going to finally end. The other day I was praying, I said, Lord Jesus, I'm looking forward to the day that you sit on that throne and, the, and, the, and righteousness covers this world as the waters cover the sea. It's coming. And by the grace of God, your eyes, as a born-again believer, are going to see it. Now, if you're here without Christ, and you haven't really responded to the gospel, and you haven't made a decision about who Jesus Christ is, today is the day. Why not? As we give an invitation here to gospel, we ask people to make some decisions. In fact, we're here for you. We're going to have people up here at the front. We'll have a couple verses of just as I am without one plea, and you, you can make your way down here, and folks will take you and in the back room there, and a couple. You can get some questions answered. You can wait till after the service and see me or Brother Moon or Brother Barrows or so deacons, and we'll be glad to show you and talk to you and pray with you. We're here for you. Don't leave here without Christ as your personal Savior. Know you know that you have eternal life. For the days are drawing close to the rapture of the church in the tribulation period. And dear one, you want to be prepared for that time. Father, help us this morning. Give us wisdom from above. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We'll see. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.